episode of BJSS on Retail. I'm your host, Mel Wade, and joining me in the studio today is Henrietta Adams, founder of the brilliant sustainable women's clothing retailer, Henry. And on the phone, we have Megan Adams, founder of the wonderful Zero uh, Plastic Grocer Restore. So welcome both. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited for our chat. So uh, this is a really exciting episode for me because not only do I get to chat about something that I'm really passionate about, but I get to do it with two experts that are doing some really exciting stuff right now. Um, So I got to know you both when viewing your stores whilst doing research for our latest report with the catchy title, You, Me and Sustainability. Um, So this was released on World Environment Day, the 5th of June. So for the listeners who haven't yet read it, you could find it on our BJSS website and the link is in this episode's description. So sustainability is a really hot topic at the minute. Consumers are becoming really clued up around the impacts we've got on our planet through some of the big educators like David Attenborough and Greta Thunberg. So there's a real big demand for sustainable products. And I think that's shown by the fact that 75% of global consumers are willing to pay more for them. But when it comes to the actual purchasing of these products, it's something that they find really difficult and confusing to do. Um, So I think it's because a lot of retailers don't yet provide this option for three main reasons. The first being they're either resistant to embrace it because it would mean expensive changes to their value chain. They're either not quite sure how to or they're not quite sure how to communicate it without appearing like they're greenwashing. So in our report, we break down sustainability and retail into bite-sized chunks. Um, We looked at it from both a retailer's and consumer's perspective, discuss some of the key trends and retailers' biggest challenges. So as part of our research for this, this is where... I came to both of your stores where we looked at some of the startups and some of the established retailers and rated them across the five big sustainability challenges in retail, which are clear branding, customer education, creating a community, product honesty and in-store experience. So when we were looking at this, it became clear really quickly that the startups are the leaders in this space. And that's where we created a top 10 startups list of which you two are rated first and second. So congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> Thank um, you very much. <laughs> so could you both give us an intro into yourselves and your stores, please? Maybe should we start with you, Henrietta? Yeah, yeah. hi. Yeah, so I'm Henrietta Adams, um, founder of Henry London. Um, so we've actually been open as a store for a year. Uh, the brand launched two and a half years ago. Um, we opened that particular shop because that was the location for my first ever pop-up, which was about a month after launching the brand. And it became the location for three, three other pop-ups as well. So I returned to the space because it worked really well. It was really small, and easy, digestible and low rent because it was so small in the location that it was in, which is on the Hackney Road. Um, so it's become a sort of the growing point of my business, a uh, really important location wise because of the visibility and size. It was just perfect. I just was able to grow from such a small point in this, in this tiny sort of shoebox size of a shop. Um, so yeah, we've been there a year and now we actually have the next door shop, which we got in January. Um, and that's my studio now. So the design process and the sampling stage happens right next door. I also teach shirt making workshops. So we've got the design element and we've got the selling literally right next door to each other. Um, 
which is really nice, really nice to share with the customers. Oh, amazing. It's so nice that you can like teach your customers as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's all part part of sort of valuing what we're buying and making things last, like mending, learning to appreciate the work that goes into making clothes, which is, it's a really lengthy process sometimes. Mm. Um, So yeah, it's nice to bring that to the shop. Amazing. And Megan, what about yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm Megan Adams, not related to Henrietta. <laughs> I was um, going to ask, but then I thought <laughs> you two would probably have said. <laughs> no relation. Um, but yeah, my shop is Restore. Um, so it's a refill shop uh, with no packaging. So everything um, is sold loose by weight. Um, and uh, the idea is people bring their own containers to refill um, with things like rice, pasta, nuts, seeds, herbs and spices, um, we've got confectionery, tea and coffee, um, and then like sort of household cleaning products and laundry liquid, things like that, um, as well as also kind of a selection of sustainable and plastic-free kind of bathroom and beauty products. Um, so obviously the aim is to reduce kind of plastic and packaging in the grocery shopping experience um, and also just give, give the customer kind of back almost the power to kind of buy in quantities that they want as well as an added added benefit um but yeah so the shop's been open three months now um based in in Hackney Down Studios which is kind of a great location for it because there's other uh sort of creative and um eco-friendly businesses around so yeah it's going well so far amazing so uh Megan, is there a specific type of customer that you had in mind when you kind of pick specific items that you sell in your store? So I kind of do have a couple of customer kind of profiles, I guess. But what's probably more led me is that I started with a kind of basic list of stock, um, you know, kind of essentials and things that I thought would sell well. And then what I've done from week one is had a suggestions board in the store and customers write on their uh, products that they want to see and then I sort of add that to like a wish list and if a product keeps coming up multiple times and it gets bumped up and then I just basically have been adding adding new products every week since I opened and that's kind of more the way that I've gone about it um, which I wasn't necessarily expecting to do but I kind of last minute thought oh I'll have a suggestion board and that's actually guided all of my kind of purchasing decisions since, since day one really. Oh, that's such a brilliant idea. What was the um, first kind of big product that you started stocking from your suggestions board? So I had, um, you know, decisions that you kind of make when you're like planning at home. You think, well, I have rapeseed oil, but then, you know, lots of people are olive oil people. So you need to have a rapeseed oil and an olive oil Mm. or, um, you know, sort of different types of um, different types of nuts so I might have had I think I started with maybe just almonds and walnuts but then it was adding Brazil nuts and cashew nuts um, and yeah I guess it's kind of just you know you maybe you have a couple of think types of one sort of category but it was building out those categories and just giving more of a range but being driven by the request so you know if people wanted to have like basmati white rice rather than basmati brown rice added then that was good to know rather than me just thinking oh I'll add a new product what do I think people might want so and um, yeah that's been really helpful actually yeah no it definitely sounds that um so uh, 
we've kind of touched on the fact at the beginning that consumer preferences are changing and demanding more sustainable products. So, Henrietta, what do you think consumers' big challenges are when they're trying to shop sustainably? I think, like, specifically around clothing, because obviously yeah. there's the whole fast fashion industry and it's really hard to kind of change our habits from that. Yeah, I think it's... Um, I mean, part of it's being aware of the sustainable brands and doing that research or just happening to stumble across one that you like. I mean, obviously there's articles as well now that are sort of listing the top 10 or top five footwear or whatever it is. So coming across that information, um, that's a challenge. I mean, I, on my way here um, in Oxford Circus, I was walking past all the shops, looking in them to see what was going on on the high street now because I'm I'm sort of so far removed from the high street. And um, it's just, it's so desirable. It's just there in front of you. Mm. I, I don't particularly, there's nothing I see that I like, but um, if you're in a rush and if you want something, it's so, so easy just to get caught up in that. So I think it's like having that that access to what are the sustainable brands, where are they, and knowing where you can go to get certain products that um, are sustainably made. Um, I also think, the sort of reassessing your value so uh, as a customer what value are you putting on your purchases um sustainable options are usually more expensive Mm. and it's just re kind of educating yourself as to what things are worth and how much things are actually cost when they're not mass produced um so yeah I think kind of trying to be a bit more um yeah, aware of the costs of manufacturing and um, the sustainable goods. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah, I had a really kind of interesting point of view the other day where if you pay, so say a T-shirt, it costs, say, £25 to make and kind of sell really well with really good materials. And if you're only paying £3 for it, then the other £22, that's being paid for by someone else. So whether it's by the kind of people picking the cotton or um, the kind of people in the factory that are making the T-shirts, then that price is paid for by someone else. No, exactly. If you kind of can educate your customers on the fact that the prices are higher for a particular reason totally yeah well that's all we try and do I mean I've recently published our make prices online Mm. um so we don't actually get that across in store we do I do talk to to people about the cost of making if 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 the uh, sort of the customer um chats go that way and we we get more in depth but um online yeah we publish the make prices and educate people as much as possible about the lengthy process i started just with shirts so it's women's shirts ethically Mm. made and shirts uh take a really long time to make um and in my weekend workshops where i teach people how to make them it takes two full days to make one shirt um that's for beginners but um yeah 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 yeah. and we're all exhausted by the end of it it's a really it's a lengthy process um so yeah i think being really really transparent about that um maybe publishing make prices is part of that um but then also just i don't know getting that information out in other ways visually um sort of through the pictures of my supply Mm. chain and things like that um and conversations with customers the conversations that we have in store are really really nice I really enjoy getting to know especially the the regular ones and they they build up more of a knowledge and understanding of the brand so um 
yeah, just trying to be as communicative as possible. Mm. And I think um, kind of relating that back to uh, Megan's store, that's something that I really noticed um, in your store as well, Megan. Um, I know when I was there and we were both having a chat, someone came in, I think, just with a wine bottle and they were like, oh, I'm just going to leave this here for a minute because yeah. I don't think it's quite acceptable to walk my dog around the park holding an empty wine bottle. <laughs> um, but have you found since Feb that more people are kind of becoming interested in how they can reduce their plastic and have more conversations in store with you around that. Definitely. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I I kind of think of it as in waves. So I think there was like, you know, the first wave of people who were doing this like 20 years ago and bringing their reusable bags. And then there maybe was like another wave in the last kind of year or two. Um, And then now it feels like there's the next wave, which is like probably largely driven by the media coverage of Extension Rebellion um, and also the latest Attenborough programmes. I think everything's Mm. a bit more, um, I think the media stopped kind of sugarcoating it and actually it's, you know, it's quite hard hitting now. So I think most people, I would say, um, you know, at least are more aware of it. Um, and and a large portion of those people are kind of thinking, okay, actually, how do I do something about this rather than just thinking of it as a problem for someone else to solve or, you know, uh, governments to solve or whatever. So I think everyone's taking a little bit more responsibility, which is really great to see. Um, and it's really satisfying sort of seeing people come into the shop and they say oh I haven't you know I haven't done this before what do I do and you explain it to them and actually when they realize it's just really as simple as just bringing in an old tub from home and getting their pasta they they feel really satisfied doing it and it's really satisfying for me to kind of just help people understand that it's just you know baby steps just try something one week and maybe come back next week and do something else um so yeah it's been it's been really great so I think that the uh, customer education is something that both of you do really, really well. Um, definitely noticed it when I was there, particularly around kind of the passion that kind of your sales assistants or yourself, Megan, showed when you were there. But are there any other ways kind of in store that you're trying to educate customers or do you find that face-to-face personal touch is the best way to kind of just have a conversation with them to get through to them? Yes, I think sort of it's it's face-to-face in-store. And then I use kind of uh, messaging on social media to explain um, certain things. So, um, you know, I might do a bit of a review of how to use a conditioner bar um, or kind of explain um, how even things are coming packaged into the store just to kind of educate. And I try to make everything as transparent as possible. So, you know, the, the... I guess one of the kind of negatives at the moment is that it's still not a perfect world and it's not a perfect supply chain. So some products still do come to me in large kind of plastic packaging. Most of it is paper and cardboard, but there are the other products. So but I like to share that with my customers so that everybody knows what kind of where we're at and actually that it's not yet perfect. So there's still work to be done. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it's kind of a mixture of in-store conversation and then and then social media as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's similar actually um, with with us. Um, I love, I really do love the in-store com- conversations. I use Instagram and social media a lot and that's been a really important part of building the business and reaching customers and like sh- sharing our message. We try and make it as interesting as possible so it's not just uh, products that we want to talk about. Well, I personally also want to talk about the making process and, and the origin of our materials. Um, so... 
yeah, the, the social media and the website and all that's really important. But the I love the conversations in store and picking up products and showing customers like this is a drought resistant cotton. Like feel it, you can see it's hand woven. This is a natural dye. You can see the sort of the color and the texture and everything about these fabrics. You can just tell they're so much different. And we do have a couple of machine wovens as well. And everything's organic cotton, but there's the machine woven and there's the hand woven. Hand woven's what I'm really passionate about, and it you, they they've got it right there to compare, and it's really nice seeing people interact um, and just explaining the product a little bit more, and um, along with like the cuts and the design as well, because it's designed to be timeless. I mm. want people to be wearing these products for years and years and years. Um, so explaining the cuts, getting people into the right sizes, the right cuts for them, um, yeah, that's that's also important because it's it's it, people are buying something to look good on themselves at the end of the day, and that needs to be really right if someone's going to be wearing it for a long time. So yeah, yeah, the in-store experience is great. I love I love that. Mm. <laughs> so how out of curiosity, how long does it take to hand weave like the shirt? So it's done by meter and I think the looms um, that, um, so the wooden looms, mm-hmm. uh, with which is what the hand weaving comes from, I think it's about one or two meters a day um, and it's a very high employment rate and it, so it's, it's completely green, so no um, energy used. So it's, it's done by hand and you've got the, the wooden pedals that are controlling the loom. Um, it's really high employment rate and it's really mm-hmm. high skill, so you've got to have... Um, a huge amount of knowledge and a lot of patience to thread up these looms and to produce these really beautiful weaves, um, along with the natural dye and um, and there's other parts of the process as well, which is actually just what the cotton farming and we source indigenous cotton um, from one of our suppliers and um, that's it grows on rainwater alone, grows oh, in the amazing. desert. It's a really incredible. Um, crop because it's it, cotton usually takes so much water to grow and this stuff grows in the desert on own rainwater alone and it's a really really resilient crop doesn't i mean it's 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 indigenous so it doesn't need the pesticides and insecticides that gm seeds uh need Amazing. so yeah it's really cool and i love i love showing that to people and it's it's, it's, it's usually the, the fabric that people are drawn to the most and even just seeing the reactions and just seeing people naturally wanting to touch things um without even realizing how special it is um that's pretty cool yeah so uh yeah it's nice having that connection yeah so cool yeah oh wow um cool so uh, just thinking about the future of the industry kind of retail in general but then looking at both fashion and the kind of grocery element of it so obviously we've all spoken about consumers are massively kind of waking up to sustainability and the fact that we're having such a big impact on the climate but what role do you think independent stores like yours are going to play in the future so if we um start with you megan yeah so i think um you know, sort of taking taking grocery as an example, I think even if they do fully kind of do a massive turnaround and say, okay, we're going to make everything completely sustainable, we're still a number of years away from that actually happening because they have long, complex supply chains. So it's not something that's going to happen overnight. So firstly, I think it's the independents play the role in actually being the forefront of this because actually shops uh, like mine and others, zero waste shops, um, similar kind of refill grocery stores exist already we're already here kind of helping customers shop in this plastic free 
um, and sustainable way. So I think that's kind of the first thing. But then I think also the second thing is that I think the general public have been turned off more and more from shopping with these big brands where there is no transparency and maybe they've lost some some of that trust with the with the kind of big uh, especially kind of global chains and actually I do find that people that come into shop in the in my shop they'll comment that they obviously love that they're saving on packaging and they're helping the environment but they also really like to have you know I'm here every day and they come and we have a conversation and connect kind of reconnecting with with the, the human behind the the business. Um, I think that's becoming more and more important to people. I don't I don't actually believe that even if kind of your Sainsbury's Morrison's everyone all of those kind of big grocers, if tomorrow they all kind of had completely unpackaged um, food, I don't think necessarily that would mean that kind of everyone would then just and they've been shopping at and go there because I do think there's there's a real kind of place for independence um, and that's actually becoming kind of a, a stronger place. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I think it's kind of coming back to what we all spoke about earlier, the uh, personal touch, consumer education, yeah, face-to-face, exactly. in-store experience. That's what people are really after. And then kind of yeah. connecting with people who can then simplify actually what sustainability is about and how the, the, the small actions that they can take. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, what about for fashion? Um, I think small brands are... we. There's no excuse really for a small brand to be launching in this day and age and not be being sustainable. It's so easy if you've got a sort of starting point of well, you're starting from nothing as a as a as a startup. Um, so you're it's really easy to be sustainable. I think or not easy. It's always a bit harder, but you, it's easier to make that commitment because you don't mm. need to change anything. The big brands, obviously, it's a huge, huge, massive sort of business to change to to get sustainable um so i think just to be set as setting an example and showing that there's demand i think that's probably where the independence in in fashion can kind of help um um influence the bigger brands sorry um yeah i think just showing there's demand and being there for the customers that that want that and and slowly that will hopefully mm. trickle up to the bigger the bigger brands yeah again completely agree with that yeah i think that that's one of the biggest things that i think around um the kind of established retailers in fashion where they're almost too scared to take that jump because they're thinking well we don't know that there is that consumer demand exactly it's so expensive to change it's, their value it's huge chain. yeah 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 it's huge um so you're being a small business you're so nimble your quantities are so so small and, mm. and you can absorb those costs so much more easily so um yeah i think setting an example and um showing that there's demand yeah yeah Amazing. So going to come to our closing questions now, the uh, the final one, and to what would your want it be for customers to have more sustainable actions? Okay, yeah. Um, that's a really interesting one. Um, I, think, I think people's money is literally their most powerful tool and how they choose to spend it is, is like their vote. And you, the, where you put your money is just so important these days. Um, I kind of see it as if I go to Topshop and buy something, I'm I'm voting for that. That's okay. Like that's mm. fast fashion is okay. 
um, unsustainable production is okay. Um, and that's not what I believe. So I'm going to put my money in a brand that does do all the things that I believe in. Um, I think you just have to put your selfish <laughs> selfishness aside because uh, everyone wants to look good and be fashionable and all the rest of it. But just put that aside. If you um, want to shop I think you need to set aside more money just don't spend Mm -hmm. if you're if you don't want to um buy into those brands that aren't sustainable just don't spend or go to charity or go to vintage shops um and if you are gonna um shop sustainably then uh save up money and invest um Mm -hmm. and if you are lucky enough to have lots of disposable income then you that that decision is probably easier but I think yeah your money is your vote and I think it's really important where you put your money yeah I really like that vote with your money <laughs> yeah it's what those Monzo saving pots are for <laughs> exactly I know it's the only thing that people are going to listen to as well where money goes it really is yeah. so yeah <laughs> and then same question for you Megan so um one tip for customers to have more sustainable actions so I think the thing that I kind of say a lot to to my customers and generally just kind of believe is is to not think about it as this overwhelming insurmountable challenge which I think a lot of people do you know the the idea is to kind of make make small changes and start now um and don't kind of wait for those um you know wait for for a certain moment just kind of get get cracking and just do something small and 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 kind of get going um just kind of baby steps will be the the way to do it yeah little and often Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So thank you both very much for your time. I really enjoyed that chat. It was fascinating to hear more about both of your uh, businesses. Thank you. So uh, (laughs) thank you very much. much. And thanks to all of our listeners. So again, you can find the report You, Me and Sustainability on www.bjss.com slash sustainability. And the link to that is also in the description of our podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn and Alexa.